Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. I understand these days sometimes are difficult. Either your mom has passed away or mom wasn't around when you were growing up or you wish yourself you were a better mom or some pray for children. They just want to be a mom. And there's all hosts of prayer requests. There's all hosts of emotions that come into play on days like this. So I'd like to start off. Uh, look at Second Corinthians chapter number one. I'd like to start off this morning by reading you this passage of scripture. The Bible says in verse number three of Second Corinthians chapter number one. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. May I just remind you of the importance of the word all. (laughs) All comfort. It's not some, and we can just go on down the line of trying to make it not what it really is. But it's all comfort. Who comforted us in all our tribulations. That we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble. Sometimes God's comforting you because you're going through something so that you can be stronger to comfort somebody else. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ aboundeth in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. You know, we keep going back to reminding ourselves of the past. God wants us to lean on him as the comfort. And may we do that today, no matter what situation we are in or what trial or temporary tribulation that we're going through. May we remember the God of all comfort. I like to just take a minute right now, bow our heads, and I like to pray, get my heart reassessed and right and then we'll move on with with the message lord be with me as i open up your word i want to do a good job i want to tell your truth with a good attitude pray you comfort my heart pray you comfort all the folks hearts that have come out to visit with us this morning pray that we would all be edified as a body of christ through the proclamation of your word help us all get some help in jesus name amen Amen. I'd like to talk to you this morning about a few mothers. Turn over to Colossians chapter number four. Get your place in Colossians chapter number four. Uh, First, I'd like to speak to you about Lucy Ravenhill. She was the mother of Leonard Ravenhill, who went on to be a great preacher. Matter of fact, he's the author of the book who I'm asking you all to take one on your way out here this morning. But after the midwife left the room, Lucy Ravenhill, she laid her hands on her infant son. And she prayed, Lord, make this boy a preacher or don't let him live. Now, I'm not telling you to pray that. I'm just telling you what she prayed. Okay. now, whether you like that or not, the bottom line is. You got to really trust God a lot. (laughs) To pray that prayer. Now, she got dressed. It said, after the midwife had left the room, 
And she took little Leonard, only two hours old, to the weekly prayer meeting. You talk about trust in God. Leonard Ravenhill was quoted. He went on and quoted, preached many sermons. He said this, no man is greater than his prayer life. He said this, the secret of praying is praying in secrets. He said, you can't live wrong and pray right. That's pretty good. He was quoted as saying, prayer is not a preparation for the battle. It is the battle. Now, whether you like what his mama prayed or not, you can't deny the fact that prayer started with his mama. <laughs> you, can't get, you can't get away from that. We need some more praying moms. When Leonard got married to his wife, Martha, Leonard's wife, she was very faithful. She was consistent, and she was very disciplined about her home life being in order and about her family devotions. No family devotions to her meant no family order. When Leonard was gone for weeks at a time, she continued to be a fanatic about family devotions, always reading the Bible and always reading a missionary story to her children. She, would, she was faithful to have prayer time and a daily devotion before her kids went off to school on the bus. And the kids, when they grew up, would, recant, would, would, would recall what she said, and they would say, they would be thinking, we're going to miss the bus. We're going to miss the bus. We're not going to make it. But mom was faithful. She would not compromise. Moms like that today would be considered fanatical or would be called legalistic. That's normal. <laughs> being consistent in prayer and being faithful to keeping your home life in order, ladies, that is biblical normalcy. This the world has talked us all into thinking that that's not normal. Prayer to God, praying with your children and having devotions with your children and your family is biblical normalcy. We need to get back to more of that. She had tough love, and she believed on the laying on of hands, if you know what I mean, <laughs> to keep her kids in line. You'd also be called some things by the world today if you raised your kids like that. Too many moms, they just get sucked into the soap opera of what's going on at the White House, and they forget what's going on at their own house. Amen. <laughs> we, we, we need to get back to not worrying about what's going on and keeping up on other people's houses, but our own houses. And she certainly, she certainly embraced that. Colossians chapter number four. Bible says very plainly, continue in verse two, Colossians chapter four, verse two, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. In other words, to continue means you need a reminder not to forget. And it doesn't stop there. That verse is split with a comma. Continue in prayer. There's not a period there. There's a comma there. 
and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Not only pray, but you need to have the right spirit in your prayer. And you need to ask God to give you the right frame of mind when you pray. In other words, it can't be this. You're, you're, you're praying, you got your head down, and you're saying words to God. But as you're saying those words, oh, wait, you got cooking on your mind, you got cleaning on your mind, you got kids on your mind, you got husband on your mind, you got gardening on your mind, you got, were you saying those things aren't important? No, I'm just saying, what are you doing? Are you praying or are you gardening? You got to figure out, ladies, what are you doing? Are you praying or are you cooking? Well, I can do both. You can. But will that allow you to really be in the right frame of mind, the right spirit that God would have you to have? Pray. Look for opportunities to pray. Schedule out time to pray. Verse 5 and verse 6 says, Let's look at verse four. Uh, well, let's just let's just work at verse three. With all praying, also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bond, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, watch this: walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Why? That ye may know how you ought to answer every man. You know what it starts with. Prayer. Before the answer comes, the prayer has to proceed. Before the walking comes, the prayer has to proceed. Turn over to Proverbs chapter number 31. Turn back to Proverbs 31. I'd like to talk to you a little bit this morning about the second mom I'd like to make mention of. That would be Susanna Wesley. She had 19 children. Only nine of those children lived past infancy. At Susanna's Bible study, she was quoted as saying, by the time a child can speak, the child should know how to pray. Now, that's pretty good. She scheduled prayer time with each of her kids individually, as well as group as a family. She would sit down with each of her children and she would specifically talk to them about two things all the time, their spiritual life and how they were progressing in holiness. We need some more mamas. They're going to make those two thoughts a priority. I understand other things need to be talked about, so don't misunderstand. When I preach or teach on these things, I'm not saying this is the only thing you can talk about. What I'm saying is they should be they should be definite priorities to talk about. How's your spiritual life, son? What are you thinking about? Is that holy? That thought is that a holy thought? Who's your best friend's daughter? What do they talk about? What do they think about?
your children. Here's what we here's what we used to say in the in the business world. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Now, there's some truth to that. Who the five people that you hang out with, your top five people, that's typically who you are. Talk to them about their spiritual life. Talk to them about their holiness. Talk to them about all that they're involved with so that they can grow. She was emphatically quoted as saying to her son, John, this is what she said. Whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, takes off your relish for spiritual things, whatever increases the authority of the body over the mind, that thing is sin to you. However innocent it may seem. Now that's some hard preaching from mama. <laughs> we need some more of that. People pray for revival. People pray for, and they should, you know, for, for, look, pray for me. Pray for me. I need it as a preacher. I need your prayers. But we need to be praying for the revival of some of mamas in this, in, in, in this country we call America. For their hearts to get on fire for God. We might need some more moms like Susanna Wesley. She never preached one sermon. She never composed one song. But her son John and Charles did. Where'd that come from? A praying mama. That's where that came from. A no-nonsense mama. That's where that came from. Proverbs 31, look at verse number 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? Go look at verse number one in that chapter. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. King Lemmy is mentioned, but Lemmy's mama isn't mentioned. You know how many times she must have called him over. Hey, come on over here, Lemmy. I need to talk with you. Come over here, Lemmy. I need to I need to teach you some things. Come over here, Lemmy, and sit down at the table. We got to go over this. But her name isn't mentioned. We need some more mamas like King Lemuel. Look at verse two. What, my son? And what, the son of my womb? And what? The son of my vows? In other words, what are you going to be when you grow up? Who are you going to live for when you grow up? Look at this. Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. She's preaching against, she's teaching her child not to drink alcohol. That's pretty good. I had to spend time with the preacher that actually was trying to convince me that Jesus turned water into intoxicating beverage. And I said to him, you mean to tell me that you are going to, this is a preacher. You mean to tell me that you are going to spend pulpit time because you think in John chapter two, that's a preaching point to try to convince God's people to drink liquor. Said so you are out of your mind. I won't be invited there to preach anytime soon. 
So I completely and entirely disagree with that. We need some mamas that are going to get on board with what Lemuel's mama got on board with. Are you in Christ? Is he the king of kings? Is he the Lord of lords? You have no need for it. You have no need for it. Or to drink wine, nor for princes, strong drink. You know what a prince is? That's the son of a king. You know what you are? A child of God. You're a son of the living God. A child of God. You have no need for it. Lest they drink and forget thy law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Now, let me ask you something. Do you have eternal life? Will you never perish? Don't try to convince me that you need intoxicating beverages. We need mamas that are going to stand against wicked liquor that will get you to hell quicker is what it will do. What does it say? Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. I'm not perishing. I have eternal life, which means I have no need for it. And wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. I don't have a heavy heart. I have the Lord Jesus Christ who has imputed his righteousness to me. And he lives within me. Christ liveth in me. My heart's not heavy. I might go through some trials and have some tribulations. But I got the God of all comfort. I got no need for it. We need some mamas. They're going to preach against this stuff. You're not going to be behind the pulpit. You're going to be behind the kitchen table. You might be behind a Sunday school chair. We need some no-nonsense biblical moms that just aren't going to take it anymore. She's taught her son to be sober and not waste his life. America needs some virtuous women. We need it. We just need to pray for more preachers. No, we need to pray for some more virtuous women. That's where the preachers come up at the knee up. Where is that going to start? My prayer is it starts right here, right now in this local church. At the knees of mamas. Preachers and missionaries and Christians and Christian businessmen and Christian husbands and Christian employees and employers will be rooted and built up in the faith. It starts at the knee of mama. Not Nehemiah, Nehemiah of Mama. Susanna Wesley, she had a bit of a problem, though. Her husband didn't manage the money very well. As a result, they had many disagreements that arose from that, and they accumulated much debt. Her husband was a preacher. He didn't really live right. Caused her a lot of stress her husband would leave her and the kids for long periods of time one time over a simple argument he left his wife for almost a year with the children he was thrown in the debtor's prison which back then it was a prison where if you didn't pay your debts they'd throw you the fella in prison and make him work it off you try doing that to some of these liberal, weak-kneed, yellow-spined uh, men that are walking around complaining that the government owes them more money 
and the preachers are mean and work is too hard. Maybe we need to throw some fellows back into debtor's prison. Get them to straighten up. They get themselves a good wife. They get themselves a virtuous woman. And they take advantage of it. It's a horrible thing. But that's Susanna Wesley. You say, well, that's pretty bad. It is. But that's not the worst of it. Twice, the homes that they lived in were burned down to the ground. They lost everything. John almost died. They had to rescue him out of the second story window. That's pretty bad. That is, but that's not the worst of it. After the second fire, she was forced to put them in different homes for almost two years. One of her children was crippled. Another didn't talk till he was almost six years old. She was sick most of her life. She had no money for food and she was plagued with debt. But she didn't waver. Now, I want, I want to go over to Titus chapter two because it's important that we see this truth. Ladies, it's important. I want you to really get a hold of this. It's for all of us. But specifically, the ladies this morning, look at Titus chapter number two. Titus chapter 2, verse number 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Notice the words sound doctrine. And what's to follow isn't mentioned in any church's doctrinal statement. Just Google churches and look their doctrinal statements up. You won't find something from this chapter. But what's going to follow is... Sound doctrine, in other words, what does your doctrine sound like? How do you live? That the age of men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. That's how you live. Sound doctrine here is related to living. The age women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Sound doctrine is holy behavior. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. I, I can't imagine why any man that would find himself a virtuous woman would leave her for a year at a time. Yet Susanna Wesley's husband did that. But you know what she did? She decided to be so sober, to love her husband, and to love their children. She could have got bitter, but she practiced sound doctrine, and she got better. She got deeper into God and not deeper into the bitterness that would be so easy to have against your spouse. What kills a lot of marriages is just bitterness. It takes a root and it just keeps brewing and growing and fertilizing. And you got to quit throwing fertilizer on it. She got a hold of that. Verse number five, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Meaning you don't need to listen to what anybody else says. You get your own husband. That the word of God be not blasphemed. 
Women get so tied up with doctrine that they forget about sound doctrine. You may have a difficult situation. You may have a difficult husband. We're all difficult, by the way. But clearly, Susanna's situation was clearly beyond just being difficult. It was clearly magnified. And I understand there's situations like that. But in the midst of all of that, she didn't forget her duties at home. She didn't forget what sound doctrine was. She didn't want to cause the word of God to be blasphemed. So she lived as a godly mother. People are watching to see if you've got sound doctrine. Ladies, gentlemen, and children, this world is watching to see what you sound like. When Suzanne was young, she promised the Lord that for every hour she spent in entertainment, she would give back to the Lord in prayer and in Bible reading. The only problem was taking, a, taking care of a house and that many kids. She didn't have time for entertainment. <laughs> she realized after the fact, well, wait a minute, I don't have time to have fun. <laughs> so instead, you know what she did? She committed two hours a day to pray to God alone. And I know what some of you ladies are thinking. I know what you mamas are thinking. Well, in the world is she going to do that? I don't have nine kids. I got like two, but I can't. <laughs> how in the world is she going to do that? Here's how she did it. She said, She struggled. She couldn't find a secret place to get away for prayer time. So here's what she told her children. When you see me with my apron over my head, that means do not disturb me. Mama's praying. I'm telling you, we need some mamas that need to be out in Walmart today getting themselves some prayer aprons. Amen. And I said, I do. What's going on? Mom, why you got your head covered? Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm with the Lord. <laughs> she couldn't get away from the kids. She couldn't get away from the work. She couldn't get away. She's too busy gardening. She's too busy milking the cows. She's too busy tasting little Johnny. She's too busy. You're complaining the food's too cold. You're complaining the food's too hot. What's mama going to do? This is what she's going to do. She's going to take the apron and just bring it over her head and just start praying. Ladies, you need to give yourselves a break. It isn't wrong. It's right. You need to schedule either 10 minutes, start with, and then 20 minutes. And if you can build it up to two hours, praise the Lord. I'm not telling you there's a specific time. I'm not telling you you need to have an apron. I'm giving you the principles that you need to get time scheduled out for you to be alone with God. Because if you don't, you will wear yourself out. And you will not have the comfort of the Lord because you haven't communed or talked with him. That's a household where, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a fitting plaque right there. Too many of these ladies, they find something cute at one of these stores and they buy the plaque. They put it up. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Except you haven't read the Bible in a year. <laughs> You haven't had family devotions in a year. The TV's running 24-7, and you're not serving the Lord. Are you saying get rid of the TV? Yeah, if it calls you to not pray to God, yeah, get rid of it. 
Now, if you can do both, then fine. If you got good stuff pumping through there, then fine. There's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But ladies, you're going to face hardships. You're going to face trials. You're going to need yourself a prayer apron, so to speak, so you can start praying. Let me give you the result. Her son, John, averaged 15 sermons a week. I have trouble with four. <laughs> he did 15. He preached more than 40,000 sermons in his lifetime. My, stu my stomach goes in a knot and it doesn't come out of a knot till about 2.30. Every Sunday. And it's right there in the same spot. And it's just like a, like a, it goes from here to here to here. Goes up to my neck. I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you, if I had to do 40,000 sermons, I think I'd be crippled. <laughs> he did 40,000. And you know what he did it without? A microphone. Talk about wearing your voice out, using your lungs. Her son, Charles, wrote over 9,000 hymns many of which we sing today we tried to do one thursday night or no we tried to do one last sunday night well i tried to the folks did fine it's just i really blew that one but he wrote over nine thousand he wrote over nine thousand so good fruit came out of that mamas we need some praying moms well, over to second timothy turn back one book of the bible and you'll come to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Look at verse number 5. Eunice was the mother of Timothy. She raised one of the greatest disciples that Paul had. Her name, Eunice, means it means conquering well. And in verse number 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also. We need some grandmommies like Lois and we need some mamas like Eunice that are spending time with the prayer apron, that are spending time around the table with their kids, that have less time on the social media outlets and less time on the soap operas and less time on the, the television and more time snapping green beans with their kids on the front porch, picking potatoes out in the field, going out and trying to tend to the chickens and gather up the eggs and, and, and even carry some wood and split some wood and say, that's too hard. Not for your young son. You got to teach him how to do these things. Carry, go, go carry some stuff into the house. Carry the groceries in. Open the door. It's work, ladies. It's work. And throughout all of that, you can be teaching them about God. Now, remember what I said? You need to get Susanna, what she did, that prayer apron. Remember? Everybody needs time to decompress. This is why church sermons come to an end. This is why songs come to a closure. 
This is why conversations and arguments finish out. Because people just need to move into, okay, now I'm just going to relax and chew on that and decompress. But if that quiet time always turns into just vegging out, and it never includes honest, fervent prayer to God, may I say to you this morning, ladies and men and boys and girls and myself, we would be out of line and out of balance. We are told to pray without ceasing. We are not told to scroll without ceasing. Less YouTube research for two, three hours, more prayer time. Less Facebook scrolling for you don't really know what for until you find it. And then you're off into another scroll wheel. We need less scroll wheel mamas and more prayer warrior mamas. We need some Eunice mamas. Conquering well mamas. Second Timothy chapter number three. Watch what it says. Second Timothy chapter number three. Look at verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Be a Eunice mom. Teach your children. Be a Lois grandma. Teach your children the scriptures and the word of God and about salvation and where it comes from. Go to first Peter chapter two, and I'm going to share with you one last mama. Go to first Peter chapter two. We'll get our spot there. And I'd like to share one last story. About Mary Aiken Van Deventer. She was a very pious, God-fearing heroine of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was born again of God. But she was apprehended for her saving faith in Roddendam, Holland in 1573. They did not stop at imprisonment for her, but proceeded further with the sentence of death. It was speedily pronounced upon her that she should be put to death as an immovable and obstinate heretic. Her charge, believing that salvation comes by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and a refusal to recant her baptism by immersion. Because the Roman Catholic Empire would kill you if you got re-baptized. That's why they're known as the Anabaptizers, the re-baptizers. In other words, if you were brought up in Roman Catholicism, like I was, you were sprinkled as a baby. After I trusted Christ as my Savior, I got re-baptized, and I had a scriptural baptism by immersion. That's called rebaptism. The Roman Catholic Church 
did not stand for that. They were the government. And we think what we got now is bad. I'm, look, I'm not rallying for it. It's a mess. But we don't have what they had. So she writes to her children. Mary Aiken writes to her children. I'll read some of it. I leave. I, your mother, leave you, my dear children. The Lord bless you. I must leave you young. May the Most High permit us to meet in the world to come. When it pleases the Lord, I may offer up my life and body for his holy name's sake. When you hear this, sorrow not as the world does, which has no hope or knows not where they shall be, but that the Most High, that you had a mother that was found worthy to shed her blood for the Lord Jesus Christ, and who through his great mercy and grace may be counted as a witness or martyr. Hence, my children, respect this testament which I leave you. She goes on to say, I cannot leave you gold or silver. You know what a lot of ladies have today? Their husbands have a life insurance policy. You know what that means? If they kick the bucket, it's payday. <laughs> Look, you ought to take care of your wife. I'm not making fun. They didn't have that. They didn't have that. She's not leaving nothing monetary value. Nor can I give you treasures of this world as the world give to her children. For this I did not seek, but I sought the eternal riches. She leaves her children some additional truths in this letter. Search the scriptures. They shall show you the way of life. Regard not the great multitude, neither walk in their ways. Refrain your feet from the path. Wherever you hear of a plain rejected little flock that is despised and cast out, join them. She says this, whenever you hear the cross of Christ, depart not away. Keep his commandments, fear the Lord. Sanctify your body for his service, that his name would be magnified. And that's all sprinkled with other thoughts. If you want to read it, go to page 979 in Martyr's Mirror, and you'll you'll be able to read. It's, a, it's about this, this wide. You, you ought to have that on your shelf. You ought to have Fox's Book of Martyrs on your shelf, and you ought to read through those as well as your Bible. She's in prison. Mary Aiken was subjected to severe tortures in an attempt to get her to recant her faith. But she would not. And on October 5th of 1573, she was sentenced to be burned at the stake as a heretic. You see, that's pretty bad. That's not the worst of it. She wouldn't recant her faith. And she wouldn't keep her mouth shut about the Lord Jesus Christ. So with the sentence, they sentenced her to be burned at the stake and to have her tongue screwed to the roof of her mouth. So when they led her out to the burning of the stake, nobody would hear the name of Jesus Christ mentioned. Her 15-year-old son, Adrian, stood upon a bench on the day of his mom's execution. He was holding his three-year-old brother in his arms. 
when he saw mom being brought out, he passed out unconscious. After he regained consciousness and the townspeople dispersed, he went over to the ashes where his mom was burned and he started working his hands through the ashes to find the screw that they used to screw his mom's mouth shut. And he found that screw. And he's held on to it as a memory from mom. Ladies, I'm not telling you to go get burned at the stake. I'm not telling you to go out of here and get yourself in trouble. What I'm telling you is, how in the world do you do something like this? All she had to do was recant her faith. The only way is to know that you know that you know that you've got something this world doesn't have. And all that she's been through, all of it, that all the moms have been through, they had the God of all comfort as they were going through uncomfortable times. You will not get rid of the trial. You will not get rid of the tribulations that you have to go through. You will not get rid of the discomforting irritating things that have to happen during this life. You won't get rid of those things. No mom or grandmama wants to sign up for being burned as a heretic, for saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how do you walk through something like that? There's only one way. You know where your faith is placed. You know who you're living for. Last verse and we're done. First Peter 2. Last verse. First Peter 2. And then we're done. Look at verse 19. First Peter 2, 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if, when ye shall be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto where you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Last verse. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. If you've trusted Christ, you have the God of all comfort. It doesn't matter what befalls you. What matters is, through all of it, live for God. Raise your kids for God. And know that you have the God of all comfort to see you through it. And you will do great things as a mom for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that matters. And whatever you do, do it for him. Raise your kids because you're 
serving Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.